ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, speaker and master of shenanigans. You know, if you've been following the journey in 2021, you understand that we're working very diligently on focusing the how of the uh, elements of fundamism and creating more joy, fun, and fulfillment in life. You know, we oftentimes talk about the what and why things are important. But for me, I believe that we could understand why something is important and, and what we want to do. Uh, but ultimately, if we don't know how to incorporate those things, then maybe just maybe we're setting ourselves up for failure. So uh, really excited about today's guest. Our featured fundamental is Get Organized. So Get Organized is our featured fundamental of fundamism today. And before I introduce to you our lovely guest, I'd like to shout out our sponsor, individuals that have helping me or have been helping me rather get organized for multiple years uh, by allowing me to work in their space and, and showering me with love and kindness, uh, Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle has the finest threads. They have amazing apparel, whether you're looking for some really comfy sweats or an awesome t-shirt that showcases your love for a collegiate or professional team, or just your love for community. Go to charliehustle.com to learn more. Now, get organized. This is the featured fundamental of our podcast today, and this is an area in my life in which I struggle. So I am super excited to announce our guest today, Ms. Tracy McCubbin. She is the founder of Declutterfly and the author of Making Space Clutter Free, the last book on decluttering you'll ever need. What is good, Tracy? How are you? Hi, Paul. I'm so excited to be here with you. I love shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to love our time together. Uh, forgive me for the lengthy intro. I am very <laughs> verbose and I have a lot of words. <laughs> well, Tracy, you know, one of the things we like to start with every guest um, is just a very lighthearted question that gets to the root of how you kind of uh, exercise lightheartedness. And so our question to you is, what do you do for fun? I love a good old-fashioned dance party. <laughs> I like to put on some old 70s disco and either with my boyfriend or my niece and nephew or by myself, I like to dance it out in my living room. It always elevates my mood. I have also been known to have dance parties with my clients. After we've done a great day of decluttering, we'll put on somebody's favorite song and the whole crew will dance it out. Oh my goodness. Well, you know the way directly to my heart because I believe... <laughs> that music can get you through any challenging moment in life and can make even the greatest day that much better. So you, you mentioned 70s disco. Uh, where did that come from? Where did your affection for, for 70s disco come from? You know, I'm a, I grew up in the 70s in Northern California and Friday nights at the roller rink were kind of my favorite things ever. The slow skate, the backward skate, the ladies choice. So that music is just embedded in my soul and I'll listen to it all the time. And, you know, I listen to, I'm with you. I listen to a lot of music. I, um, on jobs, I always encourage my client to put on their favorite music so that, you know, we can work through it and everybody gets a groove. So sometimes it's classical, sometimes it's jazz, but I love a disco beat, Paul. I just love it. Well, I love this conversation so far. This is the first time we've met. 
This is literally our first interaction as somebody else facilitated our uh, our introduction. And here we are. So I get to experience you just as the Fundamism Podcast listener gets to experience you. I, like you, uh, grew up in the rolling <laughs> rink. Uh, of course, we were we were jamming to some uh, Michael Jackson and uh, Cyndi Lauper and all that good stuff. And uh, coincidentally, I met my wife uh, probably multiple times at the roller rink where I uh, embarrassed myself doing the limbo and four corners, of course. I couldn't skate backwards, so I admire you. Oh, I love that roller rink meeting story. That's so <laughs> cute. Oh, I know. I I know. That's. I think about that. Like, do the kids today go to the um, go to the roller rink? Any? I mean, I know right now we don't, but boy, <laughs> that might be one of the first things I do when the pandemic's over. I might have to go to the roller rink. There's a place in LA called Moonlight Roll. I think I might. I think I might take my my honey on a date there. Well, maybe we might double. I might, we might oh. fly out to LA just to do that because right now I'm staring out the window of uh, zero degree weather here in Lenexa, Kansas, and negative 12 with the wind chill and snow all over the place. Nothing sounds better to me right now than LA and uh, a roller rink. So I'll be right there with you, sister. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. I love it. I just, uh, I, Paul, I love your infectious happiness. You know, I think that. Um, for me and my work with my clients and, you know, being organized and our relationship to our stuff, people are constantly beating themselves up and like, I'm not good enough. And then I, I'm messy and there's so much shame around it. And I just try and bring so much joy to the work I do. Like, you know, let's, let's make positive changes in your life. Let's laugh. Let's laugh at ourselves. Let's laugh together. And I know that it, um, has makes a lot of things easier for my clients. So I really appreciate you bringing this joie de vivre into the world. Oh, look at you go. Listen, I, uh, you know, I greatly appreciate your kind words. And one of the things that I'm really, really cognizant of, um, is, you know, your, your words ring heavy in my ears and, and loudly in my ears and heavy on my heart. That's what I meant to say. But, uh, because, because whenever, first of all, I think that the one thing we can never have enough of is appreciation. And so, Whenever somebody um, finds a space in their heart to be able to share something wonderful like you did, it makes me feel really special. Um, but in addition to that, one thing that I'm very cognizant of in fundamentalism and uh, allowing others to, or rather empowering them to find joy, fun, and fulfillment in life is making sure that people understand that this isn't the benchmark for fun. Like I, I, I'm not trying to get people to be like me but rather, I'm trying to showcase what could be by inviting individuals like you, Tracy, uh, that could really showcase a fundamental and something that it can improve their quality of life if we focus our attention there and thus uh, potentially lowering stress levels and allowing us to find more joy, fun, and fulfillment. So talk to me a little about uh, organizing life. Why is that important? Why, before we even get into decluttering, let's talk about just organizing and, and organization. Why is that important? We are a match made in heaven because... <laughs> 
my whole journey, you know, I've had my company Declutterfly for 14 years now. I've done thousands and thousands of clients. And my whole goal is not to have people's homes be perfect. I don't care if you could put it on, you know, Instagram or Pinterest. I want your home to work the best for you. I want it to work smoothly. I want it to work easily. So you get more time to do what you want to do. Being organized is always about getting yourself more time. It's never about being right and wrong. And that's the message to people. I'm just trying, you know, time is our most important commodity, right? You can't buy time back. You can't get it back. So the things that we can do to simplify our lives and give ourselves more time to be with our family or walk on the beach or play in the snow, that's what my whole goal is. I want you to get more time to do what you love and what makes you happy instead of cleaning out your garage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, interestingly enough, I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges to decluttering or getting organized is it seems daunting at at, at times. It seems overwhelming, like all of the things in our mind, our perception to get organized uh, are challenges to... um, that, that could potentially get in the way from finding that time that you mentioned or or even finding additional joy in life. So before we we go into challenges and and what specifically you help your your clients do, let's let's get back to your roots. How in the heck did you end up here? How did you find yourself in helping your clients get organized and decluttering their space? So I um, was working as a personal assistant. I was a personal assistant to a couple of people. I loved it. I loved being a personal assistant. I loved solving problems. And people would call me, like friends of the people I work for. Oh, can you help me on the weekend? I have this little project. My, you know, my grandma passed away. I need to do this stuff. So I was taking on these other jobs. And um, to give you a little background, I'm the child of a hoarder. My dad is an extreme hoarder. And so I never had figured, I never really realized how that had like influenced how I see the world and how I have an understanding for people's relationship to stuff. So pretty early on, I realized, oh, our relationship to our stuff is is very emotional. We're very attached. And I think because I watched my dad struggle for his whole life, I had a lot of empathy for that. So I really infused my work early on with my clients that, you know, this is an emotional attachment and you, you, you're free to let the attachment go and help them figure out why they're emotionally attached and help them set goals and create a vision. So you know, I just sort of did it on the side. And then I was like, I think I have a business. And I made a little website and I you know, hung a little shingle out and 13 years later and 20,000 clients or something, I have eight people working for me and, you know, it's been great. So I, I think it was that I, it was born out of my own personal experience. Mm, like so many things in life, right? Yep. I, uh, I all, pre- all roads lead us here. That's exactly right. You know, uh, what you just hit on is, uh, is what we like to call the F and fun, uh, or, you know, your, your personal foundation, right? So, so many things that we, we go through or that we live or that we experience in life are based on previous experiences and things that we have gone through or challenges that we faced or even loved ones, uh, that we've had the luxury of interacting with over time. I could so relate to your story because my father was a hoarder, a, a significant hoarder to the point where um, it cost us a lot of money and was very debilitating mm-hmm. in certain relationships. Mm. 
Um, Mm -hmm. Just briefly, Tracy, I'm sure you'll get a kick out of this. So we lived in a very, very small town uh, called Osawatomie, Kansas. and, And we had this beautiful Victorian style house that we had always intended to fix up. And so when my dad got uh, the first loan to remodel the house, rather than throwing his money at remodeling the house, he built the biggest outdoor uh, garage you've ever seen in your life. Like it it was, it was as big as our house in the backyard. And the sole purpose was to, to hoard, to, to accumulate all of his tools, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting that you've gone on the journey that you've gone on uh, coming from that experience, because, you know, for me, I always felt hoarding is so heavy. It's so heavy. And, and I want people out there listening to know if you think that you're, you're hoarding or someone you love, please reach out to me. I don't, I can offer some resources. I have a lot of information to help you through it. And, but for me, it was a, a big journey in my life was realizing you know, I always thought my dad chose his trash over me. Mm. And so when I realized that this was, you know, a, a mental disorder and he didn't have control over it, it was a, you know, that's what made me step into being able to help other people. So for you, I mean, it's, it's no coincidence that you want to bring joy to people's lives. It makes so much sense. Well, uh, I just, I appreciate what you're saying so much. And, uh, I think that there's so many fascinating overlaps in, uh, where we are and uh, in our connections. So, you know- As I will tell you this, Paul, us children of hoarders, we always find each other. We have like a little, it's like a little secret club and you're like, oh, if you know, you know. That's exactly right. And I, you know what? In fairness to my father, I will say that, that I a little of it rubbed off on me. And we're going to talk about that because I think it's important that our listeners- uh, can relate, uh, not just by by hearing your experiences, but me sharing some of my vulnerabilities as well. So, you know, one of the things you have mentioned that there's this emotional connection for, for individuals that hoard. For my father, you know, he, he was always thinking that, you know, something was worth some amount of, of monetary value. Oh no, I could sell that for a profit someday. I could sell that for a profit someday. And not only did we have that big garage, Tracy, the amount of money that we spent in a rental space uh, per month uh-huh. was uh-huh. absolutely nuts. So Astrono- astronomical. You astronomical. You, you could have bought everything that was in there 10 times over with what you spent <laughs> on it. We could have hired Tracy a hundred times over. <laughs> so what you're talking about, and this is what I discuss in my book, Making Space Clutter-Free, what, exactly what you're talking about is what I call a clutter block. Hmm. So a clutter block is an emotional story that we've made up about why we can't let go of our stuff. And I think there are seven of them. I think we all have one or two, um, but the one that you're talking about is specifically clutter block number seven, the stuff I keep paying for. Mm. So you buy it, you pay to store it, you don't let go because you think it's going to make you money down the road. So you have this very complicated story about I don't know, a tea set or a set of tools and um, you get blocked. You hang on and you can't let go. I love this, Uh, especially like when we get into such content rich um, conversations that allow people to start to equate their own personal experience to something that's real. 
you know, these clutter blocks, these are very similar to whatever perceptions we have and attachments that we have in life, right? Whether it's our political affiliation or why we're not pursuing our dreams or whatever's getting in our way. I love that we're associating these with specific things that are keeping us from getting organized. So if you don't mind, to whatever extent you're willing to, to go down this path, I'd like to explore some of the other six, if you if you can recall. Sure. Them. Yeah, they're great. Um, so we start with clutter block number one, which is my stuff keeps me stuck in the past. Mm. So this is memorabilia from our childhood you know, all the stuff from a wedding, from a marriage that you're divorced from, you know, clothes we can't fit into anymore because we used to be smaller or thinner, right? These are the, these are the things that we keep that tell us our best days are behind us. Wow. So that's a big one. Um, clutter block number two is my stuff tells me who I am. These are my shoppers, my bargain hunters, my logo wearing, you know, I, I can't possibly not be popular. I have 200 pairs of Nikes or, you know, this is us wrapping our identity in the stuff and that when this stuff goes away, you know, who are you? Um, full confession, clutter block number three is my clutter block. I like to tell people um, that I'm, I'm just, it happens to me too, but clutter block number three is avoiding my stuff. So this is, I don't open my mail. Um, I don't read emails always. Yes, I don't this is me too. <laughs> this is me. I, I wrap it up and I'm so busy. I'm so busy. You know, I'm, um, so this is a big one for people who have big full lives. And, and interestingly enough, the avoiding my stuff, people tend to be very successful work-wise and they sort of let their you know, personal life kind of build up. So that's a big one. Um, number four, my fantasy stuff for my fantasy life. So this is buying all the things for the sport you think you're going to take up or the hobby you're going to take yeah. up, you know. The ecliptical, um, the ecliptic machine, ecliptic, what is it called? Eclip ellipt elliptical. Elliptical, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the funny thing about ellipticals. I say these, I probably have this conversation once a week. I'll say to a client, well, do you use this? And they go, every day to hang my clothes on. Right. <laughs> um, number five is I'm not worth my good stuff. So this is clothes with tags on it. You know, you're waiting for that special day to burn that nice candle or use the good china or wear the nice blouse, you know, and I feel like every day is special and there's no guarantee there's a tomorrow. So celebrate today. Um, and I do know I'm going a little faster than you. So people are, perfect. you know, you know, people, this is all in the book. We talk about each one. I give you a bridge to get through it. I give you a work plan, but, um, and clutter block number six is great. It's a big one. Um, it's trapped with other people's stuff. So this is a lot of somebody's passed away and you've inherited all their things and you can't possibly get let go of it because they meant so much to you. You know, it's really about wanting to keep the connection with the person who's passed away. And it really can, you know, it, it, it's like you think you're honoring that person's memory, but you're really not because you've become so burdened with their stuff. So that's a big one. And I'm really seeing so much of that right now with people's grandparents passing and, you know, life changing so much. So we, I think we all have one clutter block. Sometimes we have two as our life changes, they, you know, they go in and out, but it's really freeing for people to understand like, 
oh, I'm not the only one. Like, oh, this isn't me, just me. There's a lot of people who struggle. And when it's put so succinctly, it's so easy to go, oh, that's why I'm doing this. I don't need this anymore. I'm going to rewrite my story. That's exactly right. And what I love about what you're doing is, you know, it's somewhat cliche from my perspective, what I'm saying to you right now, but this emotional baggage, right? Like mm-hmm. all of all of our stuff is related to some emotional connection. And you just laid out seven of them, which is absolutely brilliant. And so understand. And, and, and if you think about your exact emotional baggage is such a great term because this is really baggage. You know, if you're paying for storage units, we all know how much they cost. If you're paying for one or two storage units, there's a real cost to hanging on to your baggage, Mm. right? You can add it up and go, oh, I spend $200 a month. That's, you know, X over how many years it it really does become baggage. You're really dragging it from place to place. So I, I always think that that's a great visualization for people to see it. So without giving away all of your secrets, because I know so many of them are in the book, um, what do you see as the biggest challenges to moving past some of these clutter blocks? I mean, obviously, they're probably different for each one. I think the first one is realization, right? Like realization that that, that there's more. You know, if you have an issue with clutter or getting organized, you've probably heard from the people in your life, oh, just throw it away. Just throw it away. Like, why can't you just let it go? Well, if change was easy, everybody do it. You know, you have to understand that while it may be easier for some people, it's not easy for you and that's okay. So the realization is there and that it's going to take some work, right? Rome wasn't cluttered in a day. So <laughs> understanding that it's going to take some emotional work and some physical work and planning it and setting yourself up for success. Like I, I just, I see so many people beat themselves up. I don't know why I can't do this. It's like, well, I don't know how to play the violin. And if I wanted to, I'd go get a teacher. So that, you know, just like, I just, it's, that's the one that upsets me. I just hate seeing people being so hard on themselves. Sure. And uh, you know, I think that's just kind of human nature, right? We, of course, we, uh, we look in the mirror and we don't always appreciate as much of what we see as others when they see us, right? So, right. you know, uh, I, I would like to get vulnerable for a moment. I, I would like to say that I, I'm i okay at letting things go. Like, I don't necessarily live in the past. I, uh, I, I've moved on with some of my emotional barriers with my family, talked about my father a little bit. But I regularly clean out my closet, Tracy. And I got to tell you, um, so Charlie Hustle is our sponsor and they make the softest t-shirts in the whole entire world. And I have like 25 of them, like 25 Charlie Hustle t-shirts. And then that's not even counting like all the other like 2014 World Series t-shirts and 2015 (laughs) World Series AFC West (laughs) Championship shirts. And, you know, the things that, that now I'm reading my clutter blocks, you know, probably keep me in the past somewhat. Uh, So all that to say that I do clean out my closet regularly and I'll throw out, gosh, I don't know, 10 to 15 shirts, uh, probably once every, I don't know, let's say once every four to six months. Okay. But whenever I go back up in my closet, there's still never any room. And I still see the same shirts over and over and over again that the last time I told myself I was going to wear it when I decluttered, uh, it it remained in the closet. But then I haven't worn it since. So knowing that, 
what would be the advice that you give to me? How would you work with me as a potential client to remove myself from some of these uh, emotional attachments? I love this. I love this. So there's a couple things to do. Um, first of all, I want to illuminate that this idea that men are not sentimental. Men are so sentimental. That's like, that's the hat I wore when I caught the foul ball at the game with the, you know. Yep. So this this stuff is very... Um, you know, really gets to the core of who we are. So there's a couple things that I would say to you. One, one of my favorite things to do with like beloved t-shirts, like sports t-shirts, or if you're in musical theater or something, is there are quite a few people on Etsy who will take those t-shirts and turn them into a quilt. Hmm. It is the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. You can cozy up on the couch. Um, I've, I've done the tons of them for clients and people love them. So that's one option to take some of those like big game ones or, you know, the, the world series that you loved and repurpose it into an object that you use more. So that's a great, would be a great suggestion for you. You also might need a mid step. I don't, I don't always tell people this, but sometimes, and for some reason it seems to work very well with t-shirts that you take you know, let's say 30 of the t-shirts that let's say you go back to do your closet again. And there's a, a bunch of the t-shirts that you're like, I've already passed these by twice. You put them in a box, close up the box, you date the day you closed up the box. And then you give yourself, you know, you put a, a, a reminder in your calendar. And six months later, if you haven't thought about those t-shirts, if you haven't worn them, if you haven't gone looking for them, then you're, you're going to be pretty good to let them go. Get them out of here. I agree. Get them out of here. And you can, and also the simple old, take a picture, take a picture of the t-shirt. Yeah. There you go. Great point. All right. So one other question. Um, I, I've never been one that's like, I think people will look at, you had some wonderful things to say before we started recording about the, you know, the bow tie and, you know, all that stuff. So because, because I'm not necessarily ever like on trend, like, I, like, I don't think like I wear things that people are like, oh, that's so hot right now, or that's super in. Oftentimes what'll happen is I'll buy like a new, a new set of shirts. So like right now I'm wearing floral uh, or Hawaiian, but I also, I've recently gotten into like these pattern shirts that um, throw back to our childhood. Like I have this Goonie shirt and Saved by the Bell. Oh, and, oh how fun. <laughs> and they are fun. And, and I, and I, you know, compliment them with a bow tie that, that, you know, is a clean look to me and some a nice pair of sneakers or whatever it may be. And then I work, I work whatever the shirt theme is into my keynotes or my presentations. So here's my challenge and my question to you, because the shirts never are necessarily in, like they, they didn't just all of a sudden go out of style. Uh, I struggle just letting go of it because I feel like I'm going to wear it again at another event when the, when the feeling hits me just right. Is, is that just wishful thinking uh, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that there, I think that the first, especially with clothes, there's a pass of, I'm never going to wear this again. Sure. I didn't like the colors. The tag was itchy, you know, but some of those fun things, you can rotate them out, you know, put them in cold storage, um, you know, but I think like, let's say for right now, you're in an Aloha shirt phase and you love them and you've got 15 of them you're going to grow tired of the Aloha shirt phase. Sure. And so maybe you can get it down to keeping three of your favorite. Love it. Right. 
Yeah. So it's about being realistic, you know, about how many, if the trend comes back, how many are you going to wear? You know, you're making up a few bits of stories not to let go. And here's the other thing. If you get fully, if you fully get back into the Aloha shirt trend, then, um, then go to the thrift store. There's a million, right? Like, like we have to like this. I know, I know. It is a very, very nice one. And I do, I do, I do store clothes. I'm not, if you have the space for some, you know, storage, I think that that's great. But, you know, just be realistic about what were the, you know, if you have 15, maybe keep three. So what I'm hearing you say is I probably shouldn't have uh, purchased six of them for Christmas. Is that? Yes. Okay, right. <laughs> so, you yes. know, one thing that uh, we consistently come back to here um, and not necessarily directly, but rather indirectly is, uh, and thank you for calling me out. Um, I'm feeding this narrative in my head, right? Like I'm making excuses as to why I can't let go. And that's, of course, uh, a subset of, you know, the emotional baggage that we carry each and every single day, whatever it is, you know, we're talking about physical stuff right now. But obviously, I think that the same discussion that we're having can relate to as you actually prefaced and setting all of this up to any uh, emotional things that we've gone through or experiences, you know, the past or loved ones. So let's talk. I would love for you just just to kind of dive in a little bit uh, into your vulnerable self. You'd mentioned that that your big clutter block is avoiding your stuff. How is that manifested in your career and what are you doing to uh, close the gap? That's great. You know, I have fallen under that, um, that idea that being busy is a virtue. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And so I, you know, forever kind of running around and not getting everything done and, and, and a bit, it's a bit martyrdom, like, Oh, I'm so busy. And it's so counterproductive. Like I'm not, I find, I really came to this during the pandemic, like I was like, Oh, I'm not even enjoying work. And I'm not even enjoying my downtime. Like I'm not enjoying any of it. Mm. And why do it if I don't? So I've gotten, so I'm really clear about being productive about, you know, blocking chunks of time off. I'm working on this. Now I'm working on that, putting it down at the end of the day, you know, really, um, being so focused with my time management because I want to buy myself time to enjoy my partner, to enjoy my new puppy. Um, and it, it really was not, it was really a lot to be like, Oh, so overworked. Like, it's just not a space to live in. It really was weighing me down. Some health issues were coming up. I wasn't sleeping. So I'm really understanding there's only 24 hours in a day. You have to sleep eight of them. You have to eat, you know, these are how many hours you have. So how do you carve it up? So what you're saying, uh, is really resonated with me right now because, um, oftentimes, uh, so we have this little CRM email marketing tool where like a series of emails go out whenever anybody signs up. And one of the, one of the first emails is what's the biggest challenge for you to having more fun in life or in any given day. And uh, the two things that we get often are time, right? Time, what you said, and, you know, all the mundane tasks, all the stuff that we have to do, you know, cooking dinner or picking the kids up or managing my business or doing all the emails, whatever it may be. And interestingly enough, I've been toying around this concept in my head and I'd love your thoughts on it. I believe in my own personal opinion 
that uh, that contrary to popular belief, there is enough time in any given day to do all the things that we want to do, that we truly want to do. Uh, but we can one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So tell me more about that. Expand expand your thought process on that. Well, there's there's what we want to do, and then there's what we think we have to do. And and for me, it's this idea that like, again, I just go back to this, that like being busy is a virtue. Like I look more successful if I'm really busy or, you know, I can say no to things because I'm really busy. And so what I had to realize is like, no, I can say no to things because I don't want to do them. There are only so many hours in the day and, you know, putting time into my relationship, putting time into training my puppy, you know, that stuff I want to do. So I've got to pull the time from somewhere else. Or another big thing I'm learning is like delegate. You know, I have an assistant, push things, train her right so she can take care of it and have her do it. And um, I think that, you know, we really get this, like I have to do it all and I'm I'm so burdened. And, you know, you're not going to get ahead. You're not going to move your business forward, your relationships forward. It's just not possible. So it's really getting clear about what you want to do, what you can delegate. And that down downtime is okay. Yes. You don't have to work all the time. Like ha- playing a card game with your family is great. It's something that I want to do immediately following this interaction. I love playing yeah. you know, with the kiddos. So you know, one one thing to add there to the Fundamentalism podcast listener. Um, so Tracy's just absolutely spitting straight factual knowledge on you right now. I hope that you, like me, uh, are taking <laughs> notes because uh, all of this stuff is relevant in life. And one of the things that that I continue to come back to as well in terms of creating more fun is um, taking some of these mundane tasks, some of these things. Uh, that that you, Tracy, said that uh, you, you've been avoiding. You don't want to do the emails and stuff like that. You're so busy. Like, it really boils down to that's the stuff that you don't like to do, right? It's not the right. fun stuff. Right. And so perspective is everything. So to the Fundamism Podcast listener, you know, one of the things that I think has been really, really helpful for me lately is jotting down some of these things like getting organized or decluttering my life on a sheet of paper. And then to the right side of of that paper running exactly parallel to that item, try to find a way to make that item more fun. Try to find a way to spice it up. Try to find a way to to look at that item just a little differently. Maybe it means that while you're working emails, you're you're putting on some old 70s disco and you're literally grooving as you working the email, right? But, you know, right. the old adage when you change the way that you look at things, the things that you look at change, it it it, it it's true. And so I think that you do have the opportunity in incorporating the fundamental a new spin at some of these mundane tasks. And I would also add to this, and this has really changed for me, is be in that, maybe make a third column or a little notation about how long is something really going to take? I know there was a big thing going around Twitter recently where everybody was like, I put this task off for six months. It took me three minutes. (laughs) You know, so that that's one of the things that I realized, the longer you put something off, the bigger you think it's it gets and the, and the more time you think, but when you really sit down, it's like, Oh, that was a two minute phone call and a 30 second follow-up email. So sometimes if you can, you know, 
And this is what I do with people when we're decluttering, break it down. This is how long the closet will take. This is how long this, your, you know, your linen closet will take. So that when we see the actual chunk of time, you're like, oh, I can invest that to be happier, to have less stuff. I can invest that amount of time. So I think that that's a great, um, I love adding, you know, how you can make it a little bit more fun. I always encourage clients to like have a treat for themselves when they finish or, you know, we laugh a lot. Like we just, everybody who works with me is very funny. So we really infuse it with humor. And, um, but I think if people can get realistic about how long something's actually going to take, then it makes the task easier to do. I agree wholeheartedly. And I'm ashamed to say that I've had that epiphany moment, no, like no less than a hundred times where I've put something <laughs> off and then I, uh-huh. and I finally do it. And I'm like, why didn't I do this? Like it, it took me five minutes, but you know, the, the, the mental barrier and the, the roadblock in my head and the buildup took so long to, to get past, uh, that, that it just burdened me. Like, you know, I remember literally being stressed out of the thought of working email and working email took me this much time. So I wish that I, I, I've learned that lesson. I wish that I could now (laughs) apply that lesson. Uh Not have to learn that lesson again and again and again. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's the thing that stops people, you know, real, like, especially decluttering and organizing. If they, if they feel like they don't have that knack naturally, it just becomes this big monster in a closet, literally. So it's really good. Um, And I do talk about this in the book, kind of how long projects take. So you'd be like, Oh, that only is going to take me an hour. I have an hour to give to that, you know? For sure. 100%. Well, as we start to wrap up our time together, we're going to, we're going to close with a, a, a five, a five pack of, of fun questions, just kind of rapid fire. But before we do that, um, walk us through, I'm a new client. I, I'm somebody that decided, you know what? I have I have reflected and I've come to the realization that it's time to make a change and I'm willing to put in the work. And you, Tracy, are the individual that I am empowering to help me. Walk me through what that client relationship looks like in terms of the process of helping me declutter fly. That is fantastic. Well, first I will ask you, um, what's your favorite music? And are you a coffee or a tea person? So we start there. Um, and and the First and most important conversation is the vision. The vision you have for your space, the space that we're going to declutter. Do you want to turn the spare bedroom into a nursery because you guys are getting ready to have a baby? Do you want to make it a room so that your parents can come visit? I really want my clients to focus on what they're gaining by letting go of the stuff. So once we have the vision in place, then everything else kind of falls into place you know, falls into step after that because we're always looking forward. When we get stuck, we know what we want to accomplish. And then it's good old-fashioned decluttering, like with like, laying it all out, deciding what can go, what can stay, donating what you don't need, and then putting systems in place and putting things back organized. Um, But I think that's the step that a lot of people skip over or don't realize is that if they don't create the vision, and by the way, the vision can be as simple as I'd like some empty space. Mm. I just, I just like it to be half empty. That's a fantastic vision. I'd love to not walk past my kitchen counter piled with bills and have to look at them every day, you know? So it's not even remodeling it into another space, but really 
I just want empty space. So once you can lock your vision and if you need to, you know, print it out or get some images, that's going to help you get through it because you have a goal. You have something that you want. Um, And I think that's the part that a lot of people don't, you know, I need to get organized is a little ambiguous. Mm. Um, You know, that's like, I'm not a hundred percent, even I'm not a hundred percent sure, you know, so does that mean I want to buy more time? I want to spend less time doing this, more time doing that. I want systems. I want things to be a little more automated. So fam, other family members, you know, I want to label it's a great example. Like we'll label the linen closet where things go so that once the kids get a little older and help putting away the laundry, it's like, oh, towels go here, sheets go here. You know, are there some things you can put into place to make everybody be able to participate? So that's really the big step. Let's create the vision and let's make sure that everything we do gets us one step closer to that goal. And so we are going to have this in the show notes and we're going to wrap with it as well. But if anybody wants to learn more about Tracy and Declutterfly, is it declutterfly.com or do you have another? Yes, it is. Declutterfly and it's D-C-L-U-T-T-E-R-F-L-Y.com. Beautiful. All right, sister. Well, let's have some fun. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end this thing with a bang. We're gonna go a five pack here because uh, that's common. I already stole I'm, I'm, I'm wiggling in my chair. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing the bump right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's one thing in your life that you just can't let go of? Like it's just it consistently is there. Uh, my grandmother's wedding ring. I wear it every day and look at it. Mm, I love that. Of course, that goes back to, uh, you know, the memories trapped with with other stuff. I love it. But mm-hmm. you're not trapped. That's an, a wonderful Wait, and, and it's it's almost the only thing of my grandmother's I have. And I was very, very... I have like one or two things and I, I kept very little on purpose. And I love this so much. And it makes me so happy. And I think of her every day. Beautiful. I love it. I still have my grandfather's war medals so I can relate. Oh, sweet, sweet. Uh, Thinking about organizing our thoughts uh, and and being able to say that we're similar in this regard, uh, or at least we have this in common. Um, as an author, how long did it take you to write the book? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, the actual writing of the book took about six months, but I spent almost almost a full ten months writing a very deep proposal. So, um, I, I kind of front loaded the work. I had a, I had a proposal I sent out. I got an agent from that proposal. We did another really deep path at the proposal. So writing the book actually went pretty fast because I'd done so much front loading work. Love it. Because you organized your thoughts, got everything that was difficult done in the beginning. And then, yes, yes, I love it. Uh, What's the most memorable project that you've ever had the opportunity to work on? Oh, um, I can say this because he speaks about it publicly, but we got to organize Billy D. Williams' <gasps> garage. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Can I just say, Lando Calrissian? We organized his garage. <laughs> oh, he's a love. He's one of our beloved clients. He played jazz music for us. He got us sandwiches. He told us story after story after story. Uh, It's just one of my favorite jobs ever. Well, I could certainly tell that uh, that job obviously was memorable, but you certainly love what you do. And I think that that is, uh, it shines through in in our interaction, I'm sure in every interaction that you have with others. 
Um, let's talk. You've, you've mentioned this little guy or gal multiple times. I would be remiss not to ask what's your puppy's name and what kind of puppy is it? He's his name is Bodie. Okay. Uh, name named for Bodie in Point Break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is a German Shepherd mix. He was a pound puppy. Um, we like to call him the Brad Pitt of dogs because he stops <laughs> traffic everywhere he goes. Um, so he's he's been a great addition to our family. He's been a great addition to our family. Brad Pitt of dogs. You know, coincidentally, we used to call my my brother the Tom Cruise of daycare. Actually, he called. <laughs> Uh, that's great (laughs) all right well this is the last question uh that we'll wrap up on before we get any final thoughts here and and it was a perfect segue because you just did it you mentioned the importance of of laughter and you work with individuals that love humor and love to laugh Uh, what makes you laugh like you know stand-up comedy dad jokes like just being lighthearted. what's your preferred methodology in terms of humor and and what creates laughter in you you know, for me, it's the, it's the best way I can describe it is the give and take of old friendship. Mm. You know, that a friend that you've, I am very blessed to have very funny friends, but the friends that you've had for so long that you can tell a joke that's 20 years old and you can build on it. And, um, and, uh, it just makes you belly laughing away. My best friend in the world, Joe Maza, we have an imitation we do of a voicemail that somebody left on his answering machine in the 90s. And to this day, we can call each other and leave that voicemail and we will just fall on the ground laughing. So I think I would say, I don't know, is this a, a category like historical laughter? Yes. Like those, those those jokes that you call back again and again and again. That's right. And they never get old. I got a I never. got just like Joe. Uh John Winston Stoner is my is my uh junior high, high school and college friend. And uh, we could pick up where we left off. Like we didn't skip a beat. And the interesting thing is we laugh at all of our jokes and no one knows what the hell we're laughing at because they're just our jokes. Yeah. So, and, you la- and you belly laugh, yeah. like belly laugh. Yeah. My partner, when Joe comes to visit, he's always like, oh, here, here they go again. <laughs> but it's just that kind of laughter. It just, it's, first of all, it's funny. Yes. And second of all, it just reminds you the bond you have with people. It's For my sure. favorite. And I, I'd wrap with this in terms of laughter. You mentioned belly laughs. Have you ever had that laugh that's so hard that those bumps behind your head hurt? Because I don't know if it's yeah. your jaw connects or what, but <laughs> have you ever had that? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like we're, it's like the back, it's like a ice cream headache in the back of your <laughs> head or something. Yeah, no, I know. It just, it, the laughter, it's the most, I don't know. To me, I think it's the connective tissue between all of us. Yes, I agree. Well, as we close up our time together, it's just been so delightful having a conversation with you, Tracy, uh, experiencing you in your most authentic form uh, in the same manner that our Fundamism podcast listeners get to. Uh, in closing, you know, you said something uh, that I want to make sure everybody understands. Whenever we talk about these featured fundamentals, whether it's a, a new spin or creating meaningful interactions or listening to music with a purpose or you know, asking for help or today's, of course, get organized. Those are very broad things. And so the details, right? And figuring out how to dive in and actually apply the how to do all of these things is what's the most important or what is the most important in improving the amounts of joy, fun, and fulfillment in life. So 
Tracy, in closing, what advice would you give? And I know that you just gave us uh, nearly 50 minutes worth, but like I'm an individual that wants to take the next step to getting organized. What's the very next thing I should do right now? Create a vision for what you want the space to look like. Have a plan. So plan your work, work your plan. And if you need help, don't be afraid to ask for it. Ask from ask from a friend, you know, there are plenty of books, mine included, there are podcasts. Like if you need help, that's okay. I think knowing to ask for help exhibits strength. I agree wholeheartedly. Have a vision, create a plan and get help if you need it. I love it. If folks want to learn more about you outside of declutterfly.com, where do we go? Instagram, Tracy underscore McCubbin. I'm I'm very active on Instagram, answer all my DMs. And if somebody's really struggling, I have a private Facebook group called Conquer Your Clutter with Tracy McCubbin. I go live every Wednesday night. I take people's questions. It's a supportive, loving community, a great group of people. We laugh a lot. So if somebody needs a little extra booze, I'd love to see them over there. I love it. Listen, Tracy, uh, it was an absolute blast. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, Tracy McCubbin, declutterfly.com. We're going to have all of her information in the show notes. So to you, the Fundamism Podcast listener, listen, I understand that some of the topics that we talk about and some of the next steps can seem somewhat daunting. In order to create additional joy, fun, and fulfillment in life, sometimes that means that you have to make space for it. And sometimes that means that you have to get rid of stuff that you're not using or that's getting in your way. So we challenge you to get organized. And in doing so, we promise you that you'll find additional joy, fun, and fulfillment in life. Have a wonderful day. Be safe, smile often, have fun, and deuces.